You already know the fun of King's Island. Blue ice cream for lunch, catching your breath between screams on the beast. But this summer at King's Island, this is 50. Don't miss their 50th anniversary celebration all summer long with new shows, new food, and new fun. It's King's Island's biggest summer yet. And now through August 14th, King's Island is turning up the excitement with a daily 50 Years of Fun street party. It features dancers, music, and more, commemorating the last 50 years. Make plans today at visitkingsisland.com. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. Because that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. From fresh berries to fresh tomatoes, we know the farm is where it all grows. From their farms to your forks, working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, Exonation. Today is February the 9th. It is Chocolate Day, International Winter Bike to Work Day, and National Bagel Day. It's also National Develop Alternative Vices Day, National Toothache Day, Pizza Pie Day, Read in the Bathtub Day, and the Inbox Day. Let's talk about National Pizza Day for a second here. National Pizza Day is observed annually on February the 9th. Whether it is a thin crust, Chicago-style, deep dish, or anything in between, pizza is an American favorite. Now, here's some very interesting facts about pizza. Pepperoni is the most popular pizza at 36% of all pies ordered. Over 3 billion pizzas are sold in the United States each and every year. Add 1 billion on frozen pizzas from the grocery shelves in the freezers section. 17% of all restaurants are pizzerias. Attica Pizzeria, the first pizzeria opened in Naples, Italy in 1738. Gennaro Lombardi, the first pizzeria in the United States, opened in 1895 in New York City. And finally, Americans consume, on average, 23 pounds of pizza per person each year. There you go. That's for today, Friday, February the 9th. Don't forget, Exxon Nation, as well, next week is that day on the 14th where you show your love to the one you love. You spend a little bit more money. Because you really don't want the nagging that goes on if you forget about the card or the gift and whatever. So, don't forget, February the 14th is Valentine's Day. Or, as I call it, another way to get more money out of you by the good people at Hallmark. Bernie Taylor's our guest, www.beforeorion.com is his website. He's the author of Before Orion, the finding, I'm sorry, finding the face of the hero. Um, what have we learned from the past that we can apply to today? Well, let's step back a little bit first. These archetypal characters and these metaphors are in the literature going back to about 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. And so all the great stories we, we have from the, the Greeks and the Romans, the, the Egyptians, Native Americans, and so forth, um, we can go back at least 6,000 years. What this story that I'm telling now is saying that these characters and these metaphors go back 34,000 years. So if they go back that far, that much further than we originally thought, does this mean that we have been lied to about the actual existence and the recording of mankind? Well, we haven't been lied to. Um, what well, we, we've just, we hadn't seen the images. Um, we, the assumption for, and I'm not blaming archeologists, anthropologists or anything like that, yeah. or academics, it's not that way at all. Um, we as a modern society, we believe that we have become more advanced in our world. We're smarter or faster or stronger, all that sort of stuff. And we believe that people in the Paleolithic, the, they lived in caves, and they were knuckle draggers, they were stupid, you know, they swung a club around and all that sort of stuff. But the cave art in, throughout Europe going back after 30,000 years ago is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Picasso walked into the Altamira cave. He said, none of us could do anything like this. And so this concept of um, there's a dark past and we've grown from then is not a truthism. Um, 
Um, but what I'm saying is that just as we are today in the how we think in archetypal characters and how we, we speak through metaphors and tell stories, that it goes back a very far distant time. And now that we can connect uh, Greek and Roman and Egyptian characters to those 28,000 years before then, we're not, we haven't been lied to, but now we have a new path for um, investigation. Um, to, to look at our past, to see, you know, things, if things haven't changed in 34,000 years, well, they probably haven't changed in 10,000 years before then, or even 10,000 years before that time. So I don't see it as actually lying, but rather people didn't see it. And because we didn't see it, we didn't see the full picture and where the possibilities are. How do we know that these uh, paintings, these cave paintings, actually go back so much further? And, and, you know, what can be so inspiring to an artist like Picasso with a cave painting? <laughs> like this, this well, is blowing my mind because I've seen well, pictures of, of painting, okay. uh, cave paintings and it's like, yeah, my, my, my three-year-old grandson can do better. Well, and some of those he can, but most of them he can't. Some of them are brilliant artistically. Um, Picasso's first cubism artwork was Le Dame de Avignon in 1906. And what's what's different about that painting, which created was the start of modern art, he has two females with masks on. They're both considered horses masks. Those two masks came right out of the Altamira cave in Spain. So the, the dawn of modern art, or this transferring of metaphors into modern art, is actually a form that goes back to Altamira more than 30,000 years ago. Picasso take, continues to take char characters in Paleolithic art to use in his in his um, work. Guernica has multiple characters that he took right out of the Paleolithic art. The central horse in Guernica, if you can remember that, comes from Grote Père Non Père in France. It's the horse that's kind of looking over its back. Um, so Picasso directly drew these characters and the metaphors and the archetypes from Paleolithic art. So what did he have to gain from them? Well, our entire modern art comes from Picasso because that was the pivotal moment, those masks which then go to the past. And it's fascinating that you brought up the mask before. Why do we put these masks on? Well, Picasso put the masks on the characters to transfer the metaphor that he felt he found in the Paleolithic characters. So does that mean when a criminal puts a mask on, they are using the mask as a metaphor and not a way to hide their identity? <laughs> well, I think of the criminal. Okay, I'm not. I'm not a criminal expert and all that sort of stuff. But, but yeah, of course that there's uh, criminals are putting masks on to uh, hide themselves. Mm -hmm. But you know, there was. Remember the movie Point Break, the first one. No. Nope. Um, with can okay, Keanu Reeves, Point Break. It's it's a it's a good guy good guy bad guy cop robber type movie, and the 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 bad guys um, or supposedly bad guys they rob the banks and they put on masks. They have you know, basically all these presents that they believed were stealing from the people. So you got Nixon is one of them across, of course. And uh, and so these presidents are, It's it, the metaphor in the movie was the masks that are stealing from the people. They're stealing, mm -hmm. and these guys ultimately steal from the banks and give the money back. So like Robin uh, Hood, rob from the rich and give to the poor. And that's the metaphor. That is the archetypal character, the metaphor that we keep telling. And we tell we tell the story in a cops and robber movie mm -hmm. in Point Break. By the way, I thought the second movie was the remake was much better just for um, but it's the same. It's the same metaphor that they they steal. They steal the, the valuables from the rich and they give to the poor um, to set themselves free. And now you may or may not agree with that. It's 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 but, Hollywood. It's fantasy. But, but once again, once again, it comes down to one simple theme. Yep. Good versus evil. Yes. But here's the deal. So in, in point in both Point Break movies and Star Wars with mm -hmm. Luke and Darth Vader, there's there's good and there's, there's evil, but there's also that blending of the two. And um, Luke, in the movie, in the second movie, he lobs off the, the, hel the helmet or head of Darth Vader. And when the helmet falls to the ground, he sees his own face in it. So he realizes that if he takes the life of Darth Vader, he becomes evil himself. And so there's a line in, in, these, in these stories, or these homilies of sorts, there's a line between good and evil. And if we cross that line, we become evil itself. So there's no pure good and there's no pure evil. Um, I'm not sure you read Lord of the Rings. Frodo, his counter is Golem. And Golem's trying to kill him, but he, he, Frodo takes um, Golem on this long journey. 
to to release the ring. And he realizes that in Frodo, if he Frodo realizes if he kills Golem, he becomes Golem himself because mm-hmm. Golem is trying to kill him for the ring. And so, so you're right. There is this 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 black and white. This yeah. there's good and evil, but there's the stories are this line that if we cross them, we become evil itself. And, and, Holly, and, Holly. and Hollywood has and Hollywood has found a way how to cash in on this weakness found in all people because of the stories of way back when. Well, not just Hollywood. It's it's in all literature, in all times, in all peoples from but around it, the world. But isn't it time we changed that and got down to something much more serious instead of all the metaphors and all the fairy tales and all the beating around the bush and get down to brass tacks and start talking about good versus evil? Because it's more fun to tell stories. So we it's have more fun. <laughs> so so what are you saying that life for many people isn't fun enough in the real world that they have to they have to make things up in order to go day by day? Well, it's not about getting through the day by day. It's just making things more creative. We 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 write poems, we sing songs. Uh-huh. Um, we we make life more interesting. We we make art. Picasso made made tremendously beautiful art. Borrowing uh, metaphors from the past. Now, you see, I, I personally like Rembrandt. I personally like Da Vinci. I always thought Picasso was a little out to lunch. <laughs> okay. Well, I can see. Well, um, Da Vinci is very much um, nuts and bolts relative exactly. to Picasso. It, there's no question about it. And as was Rembrandt. Um, no question at all. I, I, guess, I, I guess that means I'm a just a nuts and bolt kind of guy. Listen, uh, we got to say so long for tonight, Bernie. Thanks so much for joining us. That was us. a lot of fun. Thank you. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Bernie and his work, visit his website at www.beforeorion.com. That's www.beforeorion.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. As we uh, continue trying to get to the bottom of things here, I don't know. You've got people who believe in UFOs, people who believe in Bigfoot, people who believe you can talk to the dead. And the list goes on and on and on. Doesn't anybody know how to to, to live a real life? Life is wonderful. You don't need all the star-spangled, make-believe stuff that you want to put yourself through. Just look at life the way it is. You'll be pleasantly surprised. I promise you. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold.
Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Bernie Taylor's our guest this hour, Exonation Before Orion, Finding the Face of, Face of the Hero is the name of his new book, and his website is beforeorion.com. Why do people need to hide behind the mask? Don't you, th- you know, the way I look at it, if you're hiding behind the mask, you've got something to fear. And anybody who hides behind a mask or a, or a pen name or, or changes their name for any reason, to me, there's a red flag that goes up right away. That's an interesting perspective, but it's not really about hiding behind the mask. It's about making the story more interesting. But but what's um, wrong with just telling the truth? Because we speak through metaphors. That's who we are as as a people. I, I, I don't think we all speak through metaphors. I, I really don't. I think that there is a part of society that loves to, to embellish their lives. And, you know, this is why virtual reality is such a big hit, because people really don't enjoy their own life. They have to embellish it through either artificial means, by, by, by getting into these virtual worlds, marrying virtual people, spending virtual money, and getting virtually divorced. You know, <laughs> to me, that is a person who actually needs psychiatric help, not psychoanalysis. I mean, real hardcore psychiatric help. Because if you can't face life the way it really is, you have problems. So but I that's don't. Who, it's who we are as a people. That's why we go to the movie theaters. That's I why disagree. We watch TV. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. Not all people live in a world of fantasy. Did you ever go to a sci-fi movie? Never. Really? Really. Wow. Okay. So I can. Okay, I see where you're coming from. Listen, listen. listen I'm I, I'm an <laughs> I'm an ex-criminal investigator cop. Yeah. I deal in facts. I don't deal in fiction. Mm-hmm. When somebody starts talking to me in in a way that you have to hide behind a mask. Hey, the only people I knew who hide hid behind masks were the bad guys. Okay, so. That's that's an inheritance you have from your work. And I, I understand that. I, I can I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. But Star Wars movies, the whole series, are some of the most popular movies of all time. And what people do is we go to the mo- most people go to the movies and then they become part of that fantasy. And whether or not it, you it, you think it's a believe it's a good thing or not, it's what we've been doing for at least thirty four thousand years. So it's within us, regardless of what how we. Individually, may feel about it. So, are are you saying just because we've done it for thirty four thousand years, we can't change it? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's about changing it or not. It just it makes life more interesting. But wait a sec. For, what's wrong with having an? Is it is it that impossible for so many people to have an interesting life that they have to live vicariously through somebody else's dreams and other people's visions and make believe? But that's how we go through school. And we study um, Greek mythology, and we study Roman mythology, and we we study um, literature from mm-hmm. from England, and we we get captured with these stories. Um, so storytelling is such a an core part of us. Um, so some people like yourself, you might say, well, I'm not really interested in Hollywood movies and the fantasy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're interested in the facts, yeah. And I can accept that. Um, and some people. Um, there's just as many scientists, pure scientists, that just love Star Wars and related type of, of sci-fi, because um, they're they're reaching out into a world of imagination. Uh-huh. So it's, but that it's it's more common for people to tell stories, to read stories, to whether it be 
um, watch Game of Thrones, Star Wars, or whatever else is in the movies or on TV. It's, it's who we are as a people. It's how we communicate. It's how we relate things about our culture. So if someone someone could um, turn um, watch some movie some things on TV, and they would say, you know, so, you know, some of those things are pretty far out there. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. agree with it. But you'd learn some basic things about who we are as a people, because um, we portray our ideals um, and our social norms through our stories. Um, and you know, we, I grew up Roman Catholic. I've long since been Catholic. But at the beginning of Mass, they should. They used to have a homily, and in the homily, someone would t- would tell a story, whether it be the priest or the Eucharist, the mm-hmm. minister, and it's a story that's um, typically about Jesus Christ or something in the Old Testament, and they were they told metaphors, mm-hmm. and through that that homily, we were to reflect on our own lives to see where um, we could find the, the, these social norms. And that concept of the homily and the, the, the finding the social norms through these metaphors is common across religions. So it's not just a Roman Catholic thing or a Yeah, Christian. but religion is also a matter of control of the masses. So you may it it may be considered a ma- uh, control of the masses, but at the same time, it's a way these homilies and these stories are how we project our social norms. Whether you agree with the social norms or not is irrelevant but it's how we've been doing it for at least 34,000 years. And maybe that's why people are falling away from uh, established religious philosophy now, because it's so phony. Well, what we've done is we've, we've, people have fallen away from the established religions, but we've been towards the social media, especially movies that tell you know heroic stories. Um, we try to find those heroes through the characters on the you know, now not the big screen anymore, yeah. but the little screen on computer because we stream things. Mm-hmm. It's how we we recognize um, things about ourselves. Um, and people, you know, you look at a movie and you'll see the bad guy, um, the Darth Vader, and maybe there's a little Darth Vader in everybody. Um, he's the man. He's the man behind the mask, as you say. Um, he's the person who's hiding something about himself. And we could recognize some of those things about Darth Vader. Um, and that man behind the mask because he's wearing that mask. So that becomes a, a metaphor itself that you previously used on this, on this pro, a few minutes ago on the show mm-hmm. to express some belief that you have. The mask itself was a metaphor that you used. Um, oh, okay, so let me see if I can understand this. We use metaphors to, mm-hmm. to, to establish or to... Convey. Convey. Inner meaning? Yes. Okay, so what about the metaphor by William Shakespeare, to thine own self be true? I'm not familiar with the context of that. You've never heard that saying? So I've heard, though, I'm not, confi- I'm not, the whole, I'm not familiar with the whole context of it. So, so that, you're getting off guard on that one. Um, but if you, if I, I'll write it down and I'll respond to it later for you. Um, well, what, what not, it basically means is that in order to be honest with anyone else, the honesty has to start with you. So if we are using the mythological past to say this is why we do what we do today, we're lying to ourselves, and if we lie to ourselves, we're going to lie to everyone else. Well, we use the metaphors. We use the archetypal characters in the mythological past. Mm-hmm. So we, um, and we use them in our everyday lives. Um, and we use them nationally. We, you know, the Russian bear is that um, that symbol of strength. The, the American eagle is the symbol of um, courage and mm-hmm. um, flying high. Um, we, our sports teams are most we named after the metaphors, often animals, and they're typically animals of strength. So these these metaphors that we use, they're not always about the individual how they portray themselves or tell a story, but it's how they project their psyche into the cosmos or into these other, um, these, 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 um, uh, these teams. I live in Portland, Oregon, and we have the Timbers, which is an awesome soccer team, best in the world. Um, and well, the Timbers, it's a, it's a tree. It's strong. Um, we have, it portrays the forests in and around Portland and in the greater Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of strength and endurance. So we, whether or not we, without putting on masks, we still use metaphors and these archetypal characters to express um, ideas. 
it's just and it's more interesting to name a soccer team after the Timbers than it is that um, you know just calling them the the blue team or the red team or the good team or the or, bad or, team. or you mean like the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens. Very similar. Or, or the Vancouver so the, Canucks. Now, there's no animal associated with any of those three teams that I mentioned, and yet they're all A teams in the National Hockey League. And they are, but they're all they're using the um, the Maple Leaf is a symbol of Canada. Okay, which 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 is a metaphor. The Maple Leaf is a metaphor for Canada. When people see a Maple Leaf on a um, you know on a T-shirt. You know, right away we say, "Oh, that's Canada. You're from Canada. Or you've been to Canada. You've been to the Olympics. You know, the past yeah, or exactly. something like that." All right, but there is no maple leaf on the the Montreal Canadian uniform. What what is the, what is on the uniform? C H, Club Habitant. Well, you guys got to work on that. That's you know, not and as it's and as the timber. You know, you so that. you know, so what what I'm what I'm getting at is is that I think you can you can read into anything anything you want. Now I understand where you know the the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. You know you're looking at a bird with strength, and it, it's 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 basically intimidation by psycho by psychic uh, by psychology. You know you're you're wanting to intimidate the other team by using these these metaphors and, and these these uh, these um, insignias. Project, you're projecting the metaphor to the other to the other side. Yeah, but everybody knows it's just a name. It is, but there's the ability for us to be able to project these metaphors. And in Seattle, north of me, it's mm -hmm. the Seahawks. Right. Um, the ability, which is, it's a, it's the same bird or uh, mythological bird that Native Americans used in the region, um, on their on their canoes and other and totem poles and so forth. The so we use these metaphors to project our psyche, whether it be for good or bad or strength or weakness, right. whatever it is. And that's part. So that that concept goes back thirty four thousand years. All right, stand by. We've got to take our final break. Next Nation, Bernie Taylor's our guest this hour. www.beforeorion.com. Send me your email. Are you a believer or are you a skeptic? Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Bernie Taylor is our special guest to this hour, Exonation, www.beforeorion.com. He is the author of Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero. Now, Bernie, let me ask you this. How do psychoanalytical gurus actually know that crossing the river in a dream actually means what they think it does? Young had... Young analyzed the dreams of more than 15,000 people, mm -hmm. and he came up with these common archetypal elements. Now, here's something that Young didn't know. If we go back to this Paleolithic camel, a panel yeah. uh, at El Castillo, there's two, I said there's two ends of the panel. One has the European animals, mm -hmm. the other has the, the um, African animals. Yes. And as we, we start with this, this European animal um, part, we're going to call that the north, we'll call that African, the south. Mm -hmm. And the, the t at the top of the panel, there's a man, and then there's an eagle. Um, and then there's a horse and we keep going around. There's a there's a dolphin. There's a seal um, And then we fight we meet another man at the bottom there and above the man. There's there's a lion um, There's a um, there's a lioness and there are bears in the night sky We can actually at that time in the middle of June you could have looked up and you would have seen you um, Hercules to the north um, you would have seen um, Agia the eagle you have seen Pegasus um, Pisces, the dolphins become Pisces. Um, then we have Orion, which becomes this man to the far south. Above him, we have um, Leo the lion, and then we have Ursa Major the bears. We have the same characters, the same human being and animal characters throughout this, this panel. So th the person is actually looking at the night sky as well as the animals on Earth. It's a, so the, I don't believe that those animals were remembered in those places from the distant time. I believe the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, and the Phoenicians had been to these caves and that they redesigned their own cosmology or their, their astronomy based on the images they saw. And they, they recreated the night sky with them. But the important part of this is that what, what is on Earth is a mirror of what's in the sky in that Paleolithic mind. The animal, they, they formulated the, the constellations of the night sky from the animals they saw around them in those environments going from north to south. And this is all happening at nighttime. Because of course we only see the, the stars in the nighttime. Um, and so it's, now the person in, in Spain um, at the north end of this panel is telling, you can see there's an image of a man whispering into the, the ear of a young boy. He's telling him a story. He's telling him that first hero's journey, that monomyth that Joseph Campbell spoke about. Um, and this can only be this to, to, to tell this to a, to young to a boy, a young boy who ha probably hadn't been more than 30 miles from from his home. Um, it's a dream. He's passing passing on this dream. But this dream becomes reality as he takes that journey. Um, so in the hermetic tradition, what is what is above is below. And that's my my guess is that the original uh, mystics that came up with that um that philosophy 
we're living the same um, constellations above um, animals around them or um, and stories told around them um, in the night sky. So it's kind of a um, it's a story that's continued on throughout time. And Joseph Campbell took the story, or he took the work of Jung um, and, and Freud, and he came up with this idea of the hero's journey, the story that's when us all, that the hero goes on his journey. He starts from the place of familiarity, his home, he's bored. So it's, it's Luke Skywalker. Um, and then he, he goes off to, to a place that he's called to adventure. He goes off to a faraway place. Um, he meets, he, he meets with um, demonic characters or sometimes the ghosts within him, his own, his own fears. He picks up amulets and, uh, and magic um, po potions of different sorts, things that help the hero to overcome the forces of evil. He ultimately comes to face his, his nemesis, um, and from that he draws, he draws courage. And he goes on to return back to his, his home to retell this story. Mm -hmm. Well, the story that we're telling in the Palatine Cave, this man that starts in Europe, is fundamentally the same thing. And as he goes, as he goes around this panel, he picks up the spirits and their traits uh, of these animal beings. He picks up the the, the eagle, the, the the flight, and perhaps courage. He picks up the speed of the horse. He picks up the swimming ability of the dolphins. Um, and he and he goes around this panel where he can capture all these magical type of things because at that time there weren't swords and, and all those sorts of things that you might find you know frodo has sting in the lord of the rings um and and luke has the lightsaber um, so in a different time in a different place they captured the this the magical um, amulets and the um, gizmos from the spirits of the animals themselves. And you're, you've had many speakers on the programs. Have anybody spoke about this hero's journey before? To be honest with you, with over 4,300 guests, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. It's been a lot of speakers, yeah. And it's fairly common in um, high school. If, if people studying mm -hmm. the Odyssey in high school and they the format is this the joseph campbell's hero's journey so there are tens of millions of people out there on the airwaves that joseph campbell makes complete sense to them um and they've studied the odyssey as it relates to um the wizard of oz but, and but all right i can understand how it yeah. relates to the past because it sounds yeah. like a number of biblical uh, stories yes uh, so you, you say okay that's nice but how does that all apply to the world we live in today? Well, we still we still tell the same stories, um, but we, we tell them a little differently. But we um, we tell stories all the time, but a lot of these stories aren't real. Well, here's a good here's a really good example because they in many ways they are real. So let's talk about uh, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is George Lucas, and he's telling the story mm -hmm. of him wanting to become to go into the the great beyond in the land of the stars. Um, as a person, and in that story, in, in his own fight, he's he's arguing with his father. Luke's uh, Lucas, George Lucas, is actually having a battle with his father. His father wants him to get a nine-to-five job, work in a corporation type of thing, and George Lucas wants to explore the imagination. And what, so, this battle in Star Wars that Lucas George, uh, Luke Skywalker has with Darth Vader is actually the father, the, the father and son of George Lucas. Mm -hmm. So we tell stories. Or we, we, we tell these myths to express um, what's going inside of us without actually, you know, putting it out in the open, putting the cards on the table. But, of course, they're the myths mm -hmm. or these inside of us all along. What's the difference between a myth and fiction? Well, he, Jung said that um, myths are things that actually happened. And I would say that myths are also things that are experienced. But how do we know that everything in a myth really happened? Well, the, the elements of the myth happened, and they continue to happen, but we tell them through metaphors. So we we, we change the um, we change the story we change the the characters and the stories mm -hmm. um, to make them more interesting. So the dark Darth Vader could be replaced with the Black Knight or the Dragon. Okay, um, so or, it's the it's the typical story about good over evil. Well, some of them are good over there. There's so it is a story of good over evil, 
But there's mm-hmm. also um, we have people that join us on the journey. So in the Lord of the Rings, he has a whole assemblage of people, yeah. um, of characters, as well as Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. And Luke Skywalker picks up Yoda and Obi-Wan, um, Chewbacca, Han Solo. Okay, okay um, yeah, I, I understand the analogy, but I'm having a hard time putting what you're telling me into present day. Like, I, I agree with you that these are all things from the past. But I'm trying but not, to, I'm trying, well, you know, like George Lucas, we're talking fiction here. Correct. Give me but, examples of real time, real day, real people, real stories. Well, George Lucas is telling the story, his story of his relationship with his father okay. through the metaphor of Star Wars and Dar- Lucas, uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. So why would he have to use all these metaphors instead of just saying, hey, you know, when I was a kid, my old man wanted me to work nine to five, and I figured, no, there's another way. I want to do what I want to do. Why, doesn't, why don't people just tell the truth? Why do they have to hide behind masks? Well, it's, well that's actually um, it's what we do. That's part of our nature. And what's fascinating in these Paleolithic images, and what I, what I just mentioned, yeah. is that the character at the, north of, at the north of the panel actually wears a mask. Mm-hmm. He wears a mask of this, this um, avianoid, this eagle character. Um, so we put on the masks. It's who we are. And so have things really changed in the past? They haven't because we put on the mask to tell the story, which is what we see in this Paleolithic camel, uh, panel. Just as you're asking today, why do we Why do we just lay it on the table? Exactly. Why do we put on the mask? It's because it's a heck of a lot more interesting to tell a story about Luke Skywalker traveling through space and um, – having Chewbacca as a friend and um, learning how to use a lightsaber and harnessing the force, the power within himself, than it is to, you know, tell my old man came home. Uh, you so, know, so what we're drinking. saying, so what we're saying is that we, we, we don't tell the truth. We embellish the facts in order to make it more interesting. Absolutely. Boy, what a but, sick society we live in. No, it isn't because it's entertaining. Um, so any movie you go to see is based on um, some sort of experience that a person had in life. It doesn't matter if it's fiction or not. Mm-hmm. And people take those, they take this, their own personal experiences and they, they embellish them. Um, they change, they, they, they put the characters in a faraway place and they have this magic. Um, you know, look at um, a great series to, to really exemplifies this is Game of Thrones. All right, listen, we've got to take a break. Please stand by. Exonation, Bernie Taylor is our guest. We're talking about his new book entitled Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero. If you'd like more information about Bernie, visit his website at www.beforeorion.com. This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't go away. world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce, is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201 934-8986 934-8986 or Skype at Elizabeth.Joyce And for more information you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. 
Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we'll have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And you're listening to the show around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Bernie Taylor. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bernie's new book entitled Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero. The hero's journey monomyth is at the core of stories worldwide among indigenous people, the ancients, and our modern society. Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero, explores a deeper route for this monomyth by looking at how hunter-gatherers viewed themselves within the natural and the spiritual worlds throughout the Paleolithic cave art from 40,000 years ago. Biological Time author and naturalist Bernie Taylor proposes that select cave paintings are fundamental pieces in the human journey into self-realization, the foundation of written language, and a record of biological knowledge that irrevocably impacted some of the artistic styles, religious practices, and the stories that are still with us today. Bernie addresses a profound archaeological elephant in the room by opening up an uncharted place in our history, which points to the cultural ancestors of mankind. Before Orion will change the idea of who you think you are. And uh, for more information, visit www.beforeorion.com. And Bernie Taylor, welcome to the X-Zone. Rob, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, where did your love for the past come from? Well, my work explores archetypal characters mm-hmm. in, in the Paleolithic that have become the become what's called now the hero's journey. And I believe that we all have this common story that begin, begins in the past. Um, and maybe I could read a few few lines from Billy Joel's The River of Dreams, sure. which 
ties together from the, the past to the, the present. And remember, this is Billy Joel during our time. You know, we were growing up, and he's married to Krista Brinkley at the time. And he, he wakes up in the morning he, with the, the words from a dream. And he steps into the shower, and they're still rattling in his head. And he, he starts writing it down, but he's afraid to write this thing down because he's not a spiritual person. And now this story is coming from his dreams. And that's um, that piece became called The River of Dreams and the title of the album. Mm-hmm. And then the, sto- the song starts off, in the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep, from the mountains of faith to the river so deep. I must be looking for something, something sacred I lost. But the river is wide, and it's too hard to cross. Even though I know the river is wide, I walk down every evening I stand on the shore. I try to cross to the opposite side. So I can finally find out what I've been looking for. In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep through the valley of fear. Now, in the, in the, the Swiss psychoanalyst Jung um, had two common non-organic archetypes, so not, not um, animals or plants, and they were a body of water, on a mountain. So this dream that Billy Joel wakes up from, he's carrying two of these archetypes. And the, the, the he's crossing the river is also a common archetype or theme in the dreams of people and in shamanic uh, rituals where people have to take this, this crossing of water mm-hmm. to the other side, which is death. And you've probably had many people in your show that have talked about that river crossing. Um, and of course, in the in the Christian tradition, Saint John baptizes people in the water. Right. So it's a it's that time of transition. So Billy Joel has this song in his head. He writes it down, and you know it's 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 spiritual. It starts mm-hmm. out with you know people you know do doing the um, the Southern Baptist thing, um, and the river and so on. And he 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 just says, you know, I'm not a spiritual person, but I've got to write down this song. Well, what's fascinating about Billy Joel's song and the words that he comes out with, as well as the dreams of Young's patients, is that this archetype goes back at least 34,000 years ago. The river of our dreams is depicted in Paleolithic art, and the mountain on the other side of the river, that, that's where it's crossed, um, is also depicted. So we've been climbing, we've been crossing this river in our dreams, we've been climbing this cosmic mountain of sorts for, you know, since time immemorial. And we tell not only our dreams and in, the, in our songs, and you know, we're also sounding music, climb every mountain, cross sure. every stream, but we uh, we have it in the earliest art of time. Did you have a chance to look at that video clip? Yeah, I did briefly. And so you saw a swimmer, and uh, the, the the image, the, the video is is um before on before Ryan dot com dot um is spelled out on YouTube, and what we have is we have um, animals. On one side of the image that are European animals, and on the other side of the image, we have African animals. And we have a man swimming in the middle. And where he's swimming, we have a dolphin and a seal. So we have a marine environment. And this that that European environment, or where this image was where the image is pictured in the Paleolithic Cave, is in Spain, in northern Spain, in a place called El, um, El Castillo near Bilbao. The panel is called the Gallery of Discs. So we have this European scene of a guy that crosses a body of water, which then would become the Strait of Gibraltar, um, and he arrives in Africa. And that's in, I believe that this story is we've told it for tens of thousands of years, and we probably even told it before before this image was put on the walls of the caves. And it's telling the story that's that's deep within us. And so there's a there's a common source to mythology. Because that's what this this image is about. In an era before we think of time, mm-hmm. that sources in a not so distant place on the outskirts of our imagination, from where it resurfaces in our dreams, and that's. I, so when you ask where does it all come from, I believe it's in us all, and just the question of how we seek to resurface it. Is it possible that the dream of significance is simply getting from one side to the other? Well, the dream in in. Uh, to, in, in the world of psychoanalysts, the dream is a, or the, the body of water is a mm-hmm. transition. And it's transition from life to death. Um, and so it's, um, it is getting from one side to the other. But can you imagine a person um, 34,000 years ago in Europe, mm-hmm. he's, they've, 
there's no flights, there's no air, there's no boats, there's no ferries, not nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And so to get to the other side is truly an extraordinary feat. Mm-hmm. People swim it now in about three hours. But if you, you're staying at the bottom of the uh, at the north of Gibraltar, at at Gibraltar, the southern tip of Spain, and you're looking across, um, you're looking to a world that no one in your in your environment can see because they, they, they're not walking around med- all the way around the Mediterranean. And so it truly becomes, in our, in our, con- in our um, subconscious mind, it becomes this transition and this, this, um, this um, the transition to another world. And in the, sh- the dreams of shamanic people, they talk about this, this river they cross. And it's fairly common in the stories of Native North American indigenous people. And they take the canoe across the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they find that canoe, it's a journey of people all around the world. Mm-hmm. This common place in, in, um, in Paleolithic Europe, um, Siberia. I'm sorry, not Siberia, Spain and France. I, you, 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 you made a reference to the psychoanalysis. Uh, but once again... You know, I've had dreams where I've crossed the river. Mm-hmm. I go from point A to point B, and it's usually places that I've been to before, places that I've known. One of my favorite dreams is crossing the St. Lawrence River on the Victoria Bridge from St. Lambert to Montreal. Did you meet anybody on the other side of the river? No. I just, you know, I'm from Montreal. I love the scenery of crossing that bridge. I love the way the skyline looks. I love what the way the, the searchlights on top of Plazville Marie rotate. I love looking at Mount Royal and seeing the cross, and, you know, it's home. So that's a different dream than, than the psychoanalysts are finding. The psychoanalysts are finding that when people cross that river, they mm-hmm. meet people on the other side. And they're typically people that, from their past that are now deceased. Now, these people that they meet... Um, I would say that they're not meeting ghosts per se, but rather they're the ghosts in their minds. Right. Um, and so it's something coming out of the subconscious. Now, the shamans will say that they're actually meeting the dead, and they often go to meet deceased shamans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not, not every river crossing, as, as you're finding crossing the bridge, is a journey to that past. But the... The, the common dream that people have is that transitional cross, that transitional crossing, that change in awareness, that change in being. Um, and it's, it's fairly common told in mythology. All right, Bernie, uh, stand by. We've got to take our first break. Explanation. Bernie Taylor is our guest. His website is www.beforeorion.com. He's the author of Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And if you'd love to send me an email, and I know you do, I get enough of them each and every day, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, 
success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited.